you, Brother Zachary. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Philippians this morning. We're going to study the book of Philippians once again, continue from last week and noting some principles on how we can effectively minister to others. Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, in verse number 12 and 13, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, we will read and then we will pray. Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Let's bow for prayer. O God, we ask now as we spend these few moments together that you will fill us with the Holy Spirit. Please be our teacher, be our guide. Help us, enable us in ministering to one another. In the name of Jesus Christ, we do pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 2 begins with encouragement. Our encouragement in Christ and because of what we have in Christ, we can effectively or we should minister to others and minister towards others effectively. The Bible makes reference to any consolation in Christ in verse 1 and the encouragement of God's love towards us and the encouragement of our fellowship in the Spirit that we are in Christ, we are part of the family of God and therefore we can be like-minded and it's with that uh, thought the Apostle Paul goes on to give the charge there in verses 3 and 4 concerning uh, with loneliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves then note verse 4 which is a key verse look not every man on his own things but every man also on the things of others. So the principle of ministering to others because of what we have in Christ. And an old saying goes like this, there's always somebody worse off than you. There's always somebody worse off than you. So you think you have it tough and you think, uh, we tend to think, well, nobody has experienced what I'm experiencing. Um, there's always somebody that's worse off than you. And I think there's a lot of truth to that very fact. And, um, and the Apostle Paul is encouraging us to look not every man in his own things, but every man also on the things of others. And then verses 5 and onwards, we have the greatest example of one that ministered to others, and that is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And the Lord Jesus is our example on how to minister to others, one that gave of himself that you and I might live. And we spent a few moments last Sunday morning studying how the Lord Jesus 
was others' focus. We noted that he was willing to become a servant. He was willing to be of no reputation. And then in verse 7 it teaches us he was made in the likeness of men. He became flesh. And we talked about the fact that if we're to minister effectively, we need to climb into the skin of others and seek to feel as they feel. And then we noted in verse number 8, the Lord Jesus, he humbled himself. He made a deliberate choice to humble himself. And if you and I are to effectively minister to others, then we need to humble ourselves. Verse 8 goes on to read, he became obedient unto death. Obedience to the point of dying. And if you and I are to effectively minister to others, then we need to be prepared to do what it takes to be a blessing to others, even if it costs us our very life. Uh, In other words, a person that is genuinely desiring to minister to others, there is nothing that they are not willing to do. Obviously, if they have the ability to do it, there is nothing that they're not willing to do. I think we at times can be guilty of picking and choosing how we will minister. I'll do that, but I won't do that. That's not the mind of Christ. Obedient unto death. Well, I've never done that before, but if it's a blessing to you, uh, I'm going to endeavour to do it. I'm going to try by the grace of God. If you'll just trust me, I'll have a go. Um, that's the mind of Christ. Obedient unto death. But also note there, at the end of verse number 8, even the death of what? The cross. What does the cross speak of? Death, more so suffering. Suffering. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, said the Apostle Paul, of whom he said, I am chief. So Jesus Christ was willing to walk in complete obedience to God the Father. He was willing to die in our place that we might live. And in his death, it was no ordinary death, it was crucifixion. Crucifixion is a means, uh, the chief means of death within that time that that conveyed, um, uh, what's the word? It 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 was the most horrid way you could possibly die. It was the most humiliating way that you could die. To be crucified was to, was to be considered an absolute reprobate. And uh, so this is what the Romans did with their chiefest of criminals. They would crucify them to humiliate them. And the Lord Jesus was willing to be humiliated for your sins and for my sins. And beyond that humiliation, he was willing to suffer. Crucifixion was a slow but painful death. It wasn't a pleasant way to die. It was slow, it was painful. The Lord Jesus would have bled to death, but also he would have suffocated as he was suspended between heaven and earth. So to die by crucifixion was a nasty cruel way to die and if a person is willing to minister to others then they need to be willing to to suffer even to pay a price 
And Jesus Christ was willing to pay the ultimate price when he died on the cross for your sin and for my sin. His blood was shed, his body, uh, his blood was shed, his body was broken. He was willing to suffer for your sin, he was willing to suffer for my sin. And a person that is willing to minister to others, they will be obedient unto death. In other words, their mindset is not, I will pick and choose how I will minister. No, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to minister even if it's to my hurt. Even if I suffer in the process. I suffer physically, I suffer materially, I am willing. That's what it means to have the mind of Christ. So, that's what it means to minister to others. Be willing to be of no reputation, be willing to climb into the skin of others, humble ourselves, obedience unto death. There's nothing I'm not willing to do by the grace of God. Even the death of the cross, even if it hurts me, I will minister. I will uh, sacrificially give to the need of that individual, though I can't afford it, but God has led me to do so, I'm willing to do so. That is what is, what is meant by ministering to others. And no wonder verses 9, 10 and 11 talk about our Lord Jesus being exalted. Note verses 9, 10 and 11. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall, should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. No doubt, the reason why God the Father exalted God the Son is because he was willing to be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God the Father hath highly exalted him. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. And, uh, and you and I need to be mindful of that if you and I are prepared to put ourselves second, Jesus first, other second, yourself last, then you will be exalted, you will be blessed. So we have the example of Christ and the Bible encourages us to have the mind of Christ, to be like-minded and we are given the example of Christ from verses 6, 7 and 8 and we are, we are told that Wherefore God has highly exalted him. And now we move into verse 12 that we have just read. And uh, from here on, uh, we have the example. The example is Jesus Christ and how to minister to others effectively. So from verse 12, the Apostle Paul, under divine inspiration, gets very practical when it comes to ministering to others. Very practical. How can we effectively minister to others? What are some practical principles of ministering to others? We, we can look at Christ and we can see, this is how you do it. You've got to be prepared to be a nobody. You've got to climb into the skin of others. 
You've got to humble yourself. You've got to be willing to do anything that might benefit somebody else. Such a contrary thought to the world, is it not? And you've got to be willing to suffer where it costs you in some way to minister to others. So we have the example in Christ. And here in verse number 12 and following, we have some practicalities of how we can minister to others. The first point I want to stress this morning is that in ministering to others, we need to do so even when nobody is looking over our shoulder. We need to be prepared to minister even though nobody is looking over our shoulder. Or maybe most people don't even realise. Note there in verse number 12, the little phrase, Wherefore my beloved is... He's addressing Christians here. I trust, my friend, that you're part of the beloved. I trust that you have become a Christian. I trust that you belong to the family of God because in Christ we are the beloved. We are loved with an everlasting love. This morning I read in Revelation how God loves us and he has made us kings and priests. He has washed us with his own, he washed us from our sin with his own precious blood. That is love. So, uh, wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, note this little phrase, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. And the first principle I'd like to stress this morning concerning how can we how can we practically minister to others, then we need to be willing to be faithful even when nobody is looking. In other words, if nobody ever finds out how you uh, serve this individual, would you be willing to do it? That's true ministering. And the Apostle Paul commends them, commends the church at Philippi for their obedience. And then he goes on to say, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence. He commends their obedience. You were obedient when I was with you, and you continue to be obedient when I'm not around. And, uh, and that is true ministering. When you and I are willing to serve, we are willing to minister to others, even though uh, few know, or maybe nobody knows except for you and that individual. Where God leads you to minister to a person in a certain way, and it's between you and them, and, but God knows. God sees everything. There is nothing hid from God's eyes. And God is not unfaithful to forget your labour and work of love towards the saints, the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 6 verse 10. So if we'd effectively minister to others, we need to be faithful. We need to consistently minister, even though um, some will never find out. Your name will not be broadcasted uh, in some way. 
You will not become, you will not make the front page of the next Metro newsletter. Uh, it doesn't matter. I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to minister to others. That's a ministering spirit. And, and that was the church at Philippi. He commended them for their obedience, not only in his presence, but also in his absence. Uh, we can relate to that in the workplace. When the boss is around, we're diligent. But if we're not careful, when the boss is not around, we can let the guard down. And I trust that you and I, being Bible-believing Christians, whether the boss is around or not, you will be diligent. You will do your work. Amen? That's the Christian uh, uh, ethic. And, and, and this should be evident as we seek to serve others, even though nobody will ever know. But as you've done it to these, the least of my brethren, you've done it unto me. And, and that should be our attitude. Lord, you know, and I'm doing it for your glory, whether people see me or not, or whether people say, wow, look at so-and-so, look how they ministered to this person or that person, whether people see it, find out, it doesn't matter, we serve the Lord. That's the right attitude. And the Apostle Paul commended these Philippian believers for their obedience, not only in his presence, but much more in his absence. And then note then verse number 12. It goes on to read, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In ministering to others, we need to be faithful even though some might not see our ministering. Others might never know of how we ministered to so-and-so or to so-and-so. But also as we minister to others, we need to see that this gives us an opportunity to demonstrate our faith. It gives us an opportunity to flesh out our faith. Work out your own salvation. This is not teaching that we are to work for salvation because the Bible is very clear that man is justified by faith alone without the works of the law. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we are saved by faith. Genuine salvation will have an outflow. As James chapter 2 teaches us in verse number 26, faith without works is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So in other words, if there is genuine faith, if you have genuinely received Jesus Christ as your personal saviour, that in Christ you have life eternal and there should be an outworking of it. Work out your own salvation. Within the gym world, they make reference to having a workout. I'm having a workout or I had a good workout. What does that mean? It means that they have exerted themselves, they have applied themselves physically. So we understand this little phrase, work out. 
to say, well, I've had a workout and not to have done anything, not a workout. That was a good workout. Well, there ought to be the evidence of a good workout. And so likewise, beloved, there ought to be the evidence of our faith. We need to work out your own salvation. Note the little phrase there in verse 12. Work out your own salvation. Your own salvation. That talks about a personal salvation. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Has there been a time in your life that you invited Jesus Christ to be your saviour from sin? Has there been a time that you repented of your sin, recognising that your sin separates you and I from a holy God and that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried and rose again? And have you made a commitment to repent of your sin and turn to Jesus Christ and receive him as your own personal salvation. Have you made that commitment? See, the Bible teaches us that work out your own salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you experienced personal salvation? Have you made that commitment to Christ? Has there been a time in your life that you acknowledge your need of a saviour, you believe that Christ is the answer and you've personally invited him into your life to save you from sin? Has there been a personal conversion? Because if there has been, the Bible teaches us, then we can work out our own salvation. We can give evidence of our salvation. So when God's people are ministering one to another, they are giving the evidence that they are converted. They are giving the evidence of being a Christian. So we are to minister to others because this proves before the world that we belong to Christ. It's an opportunity for us to demonstrate our faith. Salvation is not something that we are to keep to ourselves. Yes, it is very personal. My personal salvation cannot give you salvation. In other words, the salvation of a parent cannot be applied to the child. Everybody, every man, woman and child needs to personally receive Jesus Christ as their own personal Saviour. And upon doing so, we have the opportunity to work out our salvation, to prove our salvation by ministering one to another. Now note that at the end of verse 12, in fleshing out our salvation by ministering to others, we are to do so with what? With fear and trembling. The word fear therein is in reference to godly reverence. We have God in mind. We have our Saviour in mind. And note the word 
trembling there in verse number 12. This is the idea of not being flippant as we serve others. In other words, I'm, I want to do the right thing. I want to be a blessing. You know, at the moment with this pandemic, there's a lot of talk about just doing the right thing. You notice that? We're relying upon you to do the right thing. And, uh, and, uh, and may I submit to you, as a Bible-believing Christian, we need to do the right thing. Because he that, knoweth, he that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is what? Sin, James 4.17. With fear and trembling, so I am to flesh out my own salvation. I am to give evidence, I am to demonstrate before others that I am a Christian by ministering to others and I do so with reverence, with godly fear, honouring God and I'm, I do so trembling because I want to do the right thing. I want to minister to so-and-so but I want to do it in the right way. Whether it be a word of counsel, whether it be a help in some way, whatever way, I want to do the right thing. I want to do what God wants me to do. And then note then verse number 13. How do you flesh out your own salvation? With fear and trembling. With the right attitude before God. Be mindful that I want to honour God and, and, and wanting to do the right thing and and uh, how, do I, how do I minister to others without the possibility of ever being recognised and, and, uh, and, and, and maybe never getting a, a gold star, you know? Don't you remember as a kid, you used to love getting gold stars, you know? Uh, I remember in kindy, we used to get little gold stars if we could write so many numbers um, the teacher would give us a gold star. I used to love collecting these little gold stars. And, uh, and, um, uh, and, and, and you and I, how do, we, how do we minister to others with the reality that, look, we might never get one gold star? Well, look at verse number 13. For it is God that worketh in you both at the same time to what? To will, to have the willingness and to do the ability of his good pleasure. So what's the context here? His good pleasure ministering to others. Is this not the context? His good pleasure, having the mind of Christ, who was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He died for your sin and for my sin. For it is God that worketh in you. Note that word work once again. Look at verse 13. Worketh in you. And if you contrast that to verse 12, work out. 
worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, God will enable you and I to minister effectively towards others. God will provide the willingness and God will provide the power to do his good pleasure. So if you and I are serious about ministering to others, serving others, then it is God that promises, for it is God which worketh in you that work of the Holy Spirit to will and to do, to will and to do of his good pleasure. What a gracious God we have. He calls us to minister. He calls us to look not every man on his own things, but on the things of others. And he promises us that he will enable us. He will give us the willingness and he will give us the power to do so. So when God is laying upon your heart to do something for somebody, and you're saying to yourself, well, I've never done this before. I've never cooked a meal for anybody before. I've never picked anybody up before. I've never given away a cent to anybody. It is God that can give you the willingness and the power to do of his pleasure. So if God leads you to pick somebody up or God leads you to, to prepare a meal or God leads you to, to do whatever, God will give you the power and God will give you the willingness to do it because it's his good pleasure. See? And you and I need to be prepared to jump out of our little box and say, God, not my will but thine be done. Praise God for a Saviour that said, not my will but thine be done. Because it's in Christ we have forgiveness. And the Lord Jesus said, take this cup from me. But then he said, Father, not my will but thine be done. Aren't you glad that Jesus Christ was willing to be obedient unto death, even the death of the cross? I am. It is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So we're to flesh out our salvation, give the evidence of salvation by our works. It is not for salvation, it is because of salvation. And God promises to give us the willingness and the power. Note verse number 14. This is wonderfully practical in ministering to others. Look at verse 14. Do all things without what? Murmurings and what? Disputings or complainings. What does it mean to murmur? It means to express dissatisfaction to grumble, to mutter in a low voice, murmurings. Constructive criticism is always welcome, but murmurings is contrary to the Word of God. The tongue can be very damaging. We need to guard our tongues, do we not? Do all things without murmurings. What's the context here? The context is what? Ministering to what? 
others. In ministering to others, sometimes you'll find, in fact, most of the time you'll find, the honeymoon will wear off very quickly. You can get awfully excited about doing something for somebody once. But pastor, don't ask me again. Please. I know I can't say no. But lo and behold, pastor asks once again. That's when the murmurings come in. You can ask me once, but don't ask me again. Now, we wouldn't say that in so many words, but we often can be guilty of thinking that. You can say amen at that point. You know, it's true. Yes, it's true. Oh, yes, I'll help so-and-so out, Lord, but but don't expect me to help out so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. So we need to be careful, we need to guard our hearts lest we murmur. But also note the word disputings. It means to question, to be critical, to be sceptical. Oh, I don't think they really need to be ministered to. But God has led you to minister to so-and-so. I don't think they're genuine. But has God led you? That's the key, is it not? Let God be judged. How is it that we are constantly ministering to so-and-so? Is that for you to ask? Or are we just simply called to minister? Take people at face value and seek to be a blessing and let God do the rest. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. That, look at verse 15 please, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom you shine as lights in the world. That's the key little phrase there, shine as lights in the world. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. At the end of verse 2, whom you shine as lights in the world. The Bible teaches us as the people of God that we are to be a light Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And you and I in Christ, as we minister to others, we have an opportunity to to reflect that light, to be blameless, to be harmless, genuine, without deceit, without rebuke, unblemished. The world is crooked in the midst of a crooked, perverse nation. The world is crooked, it's twisted, it's abnormal. The values of the world are not normal. Am I right or not? 
it seems like it's an upward climb to uphold biblical principles. The world is going so contrary to biblical principles. That's why the world is going down the gurgler, as we would say. God is visiting us. See? That's why we have COVID-19. You know, you want me to be perfectly honest with you? I think we need COVID-20. Yeah. Pastor, are you some kind of masochist? No, I think people need to wake up that God is in the heavenlies. And we need to stop violating the Word of God because we will reap the consequences of it. Righteousness exalted the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people, to every people. And that's why we have the judgment of God. God's trying to get our attention because we're living contrary to the Word of God. I don't think COVID-19 is going to do it. I think we need 20 and we need 21. Oh, Pastor, I don't like you saying that. I don't care what you think. There was a mini earthquake in Victoria, was it? Yes. That's a bit abnormal, isn't it? That's God speaking. When are we going to wake up, Bible-believing Christian, that God is in the heavenlies and God will not be mocked? And may God help us as his people to be a light in this world of darkness. And when you and I minister to others, we have an opportunity to be that light. Now, note there verse number 16 holding forth the word of life that I may not rejoice that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain neither labored in vain as we minister to others we need to remain true to the word of God and we need to minister within the boundaries of the word of God Note that little phrase there at the end of verse number 16, I have not run in vain, neither laboured in vain. We need to remain within the boundaries of the Word of God, beloved. If we're to effectively minister to others, we need to do so within the boundaries of God's Word. That's how we can effectively minister to others. So let's review how can we effectively minister to others. We need to be willing to serve even though nobody's looking. Or maybe nobody will ever find out. And in verse 12 we also noted that we had to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We need to flesh out conversion. And then we take comfort in verse 13 because God promises to give us the will and the power to serve. Then in verse number 14, God gives us a warning. Be careful that you don't start grumbling. Oh, I don't think they're thankful. I don't think they really appreciate what I've done for them. Murmurings and disputings, murmurings and complaining. We need to minister to others based upon verse 15 because the world is 
crooked and perverse. And the world needs some guidance. People are lost. Have you noticed that? People are going crazy. They need hope. Listen to me. You and I that claim to be a Bible-believing Christians, we have the message of hope. People are going bananas. Okay, 150 Australians have died in this pandemic. Do you realise in the same period of time over a thousand people have committed suicide? Think. Think. The world's going mad. Over a thousand people have committed suicide. People need the Lord. The world is crooked. The world is perverse and they need a light. They need something to guide them. And you and I as Bible-believing Christians have the opportunity to not only share that message of hope but reflect that message of hope by our lives by ministering one towards another. Amen. Let me close with verses 17 and 18. Look at this. Yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy. And rejoice with you all. For the same cause also do ye joy. And rejoice with me. The Apostle Paul is simply saying here to know that I've sacrificed for you and that it has been a benefit to you that brings me great joy. And knowing that I've sacrificed for you it's a benefit to you it not only brings me great joy, but I know that it's of joy to you as the recipient of my ministry. So can you see what he's saying here? There's joy at either end. There's joy from the one that he's ministered to. You minister to me, I'm happy. Thank you. What a blessing. Thank you for buying me a a flat white coffee. Large. Soy milk. Thank you. What a blessing. And for that person that reached out and did that for pastor, oh, what a blessing. I put a smile on pastor's dial. Oh, we're all happy. I minister, I'm happy. Does it make you happy? You're happy, I'm happy. Everybody wins. Everybody's a winner. When you and I, listen to me, when we minister to one another, everybody's a winner. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. 
Yes, yea, and if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith to help your faith, I'm happy with that. I'm happy to sacrifice if it's going to benefit you. I joy. That makes me happy. And I'm happy for you all because I know that you are being blessed by my sacrifice and vice versa. But when God's people remain insular and we don't focus upon others, then we forfeit the opportunity to not only plant some joy in the heart of somebody else, but we also miss the opportunity to be joyful in serving others. So in other words, joy all round when we minister to others. So let me encourage you this morning to look outward. There's always somebody that's worse off than you. May God help us to have the mind of Christ. And I thank God for every one of you that seeks to minister to others. And I think all of us can do just a little bit more. The world has become so self-focused, more so as never before. Everybody's obsessed and getting this virus that kills less than 1% of people. Obsessed. To the detriment of looking out. And may God help us to have the mind of Christ. But be prepared to do so, knowing that you might never receive any credit. See it as an opportunity to work out your salvation. God promises to will and to do his good pleasure. And be careful of murmurings and complainings. Pastor, you wouldn't believe it. I ministered to so-and-so and they didn't even say thank you. Can you believe that? Can, 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 can you believe that? They did not. They did not say thank you, let alone return the favour. Let alone return the plate upon which I gave them that meal. That was an expensive plate, Pastor. They haven't even returned my plates. Beloved, we have an opportunity to be a light. May God help us to minister to others. Holding forth the word of life, let's do so within the boundaries of the word of God. Let's minister to others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let's bow in prayer.